Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Dr. Marcia Nathai Balkasun, who is a doctor of industrial engineering. She got her PhD in that particular field, but that's not why I invited her to the show. Marcia also has some experience as a parent and specifically a mother of a special needs daughter Marsha, I'll let you tell the story around that. I know that that's uh, a big subject of your book. You're, you're now an author, an educator. You're on a whole different track in life than you may have anticipated a decade ago. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. So in my life, thank you so much, Paul. Um, I, I'm going to call you Dr. Paul because it just feels right. It's so strange where life leads you. I, I, one year ago, I would not have dreamt that I'd be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the intention since my daughter became brain injured eight plus years ago, I had mm. the intention to provide support for other people walking the path as we were. But right. many, many years passed and I didn't have the confidence to write my own book. Because I kept saying to myself, what makes you the one? You know, Mm -hmm. you are, it was an I am enough issue, basically. Um, I'm an East Indian girl descended from um, indentured laborers who came from India straight to the Caribbean and were the replacement for slaves when, when emancipation came for slaves. Wow. And... Where they started from was such poverty and such smallness in the way that they were taught, taught to think about themselves and their prospects right. that I am very cognizant of how far I've come because of the shoulders that I've been able to stand on and mm-hmm. how much sacrifice these people made and how much love these people had in their brokenness to want more for the future generations Mm -hmm. and to want more for our country because you have to be able to see past cliques and race divides and all of that kind of thing to say, we want more for our country. Right. So I bear all of these things in mind and I grew up in a, in a rural area, which as I went on to work, lots of people from the busier areas, um, I would work for them and they would basically tell me, you know, you are a little nobody. And um, I don't, you know, I didn't expect this kind of ability to speak, ability to use logic, ability to present, ability mm-hmm. to make a difference from you. We thought you would always be small because of where you came from. And yes. that was important. That was a formative thing for me. Mm-hmm. I had to fight against 
the whole culture that had, I, I had developed a mindset of I'm not enough, I'm not worthy because of my race, because of my gender in a, in a, in a, in a, a very, you know, male kind of dominated culture. Um, and so when it came to writing this book, I told myself, you know, who in the world wants to listen to a small island girl? Mm-hmm. Who wants to listen to my accent, which, which I saw as something to be embarrassed about? Who wants to listen to a brown-skinned person and a person from a rural background and a little East Indian girl, et cetera, et cetera? I had these were the these stories movies. that were, these were the stories in your own mind, Marcia. Exactly. It's not necessarily what other people were thinking about you. It's what no. you were thinking that Precisely. they might be thinking about you. Isn't that interesting? So wow. I went on one day, um, I lost my job. I was, re- I was, I was um, laid off in 2008. Mm-hmm. And um, last day in February, and two days later, my father passed. So I had a one-year-old son. I had no job. I had no job prospects, and I lost the one big supporter of my life. And I sat there, and I reflected, and I realized, yes, I could go back into engineering and I could make a good life Mm -hmm. but there was a hole in my hole in my heart there was a big big emptiness because I had not been following what I knew I had been called to do and I had known it since I was 15 so I decided to be and I told my parents that at 15 that I wanted to be a teacher and I knew that's what I wanted Mm. but I took that leap because I'd hit rock bottom and I had to choose what I wanted to rebuild And I said to myself, what does dad want for me? And the answer was, he didn't want me to impress anybody. He didn't want me to have a full bank account. He didn't want any of those things. He wanted me to be happy and fulfilled. And Mm. finally, I got up the guts to say, okay, I want to be joyful and fulfilled too. And so I started a whole new um, career path eventually ending up being a lecturer at a university. And I am so, so fulfilled in my job. I love my job. But even that was only the beginning of the the path. Mm -hmm. Because lecturing is not all there is for me. I, I tell stories for a living. I love that. I light fires in my students through stories, Mm -hmm. showing them that they are meant for more showing them how to find what their purpose is and then to get the guts to follow because you need to live into your purpose. Right. So only to discover that I felt that there was a need for this book, but I didn't have the guts to write the book because again, I had the not enough still holding me back. You know, we have to bounce against the not enough and break it off piece by piece. It's not mm. just I reach a realization and I say, okay, let's wipe the board and not enough disappears from my life. I come to it again and again and I discover different facets of it and I work on that. Right. So I started working on that when COVID came, came up and I saw all of my students becoming apathetic and wanting to drop out and Lots of different issues coming up because when you're limited, when you're in a home where there may be domestic abuse going on and you're locked into a home with these people, life gets much harder. 
when in the middle of going to your class, your father tells you, get off the computer and come and help me clean the house. Mm -hmm. Those things get in the way for our students. And so I started doing a lot more outreach and realizing, Marsh, there's more to your life. You want more from life. Um, and, you know, and, and so I started to lean into that. And I think September came around and I woke up one morning. It was very strange. I had been hearing the calling, feeling the calling that I needed to write the book. And then saying, you know, who are you? Right. I've, I've written chapter after chapter on the, on the computer, but it was for me and me only. And that was important because I healed a lot through that. Right. But that was not written to publish. It wasn't to slap two covers on and say book is done because that wasn't written for the audience that I wanted to help. Um, so September came and I woke up one morning and it was very strange, but there was a clear message in my head. And the message was, you need to write your book and it starts today. Hmm. I have no idea how that suddenly happened, but it was very clear that there was no balking against that anymore. Right. And so I started, I wrote, <clears throat> I wrote one chapter a week for 12 or 13 weeks, and then the book was done. So I think it was the first week of January that the book was done. And that was such a wonderful thing for me because really what I had been told by people at my work when, when so I should say that Emma got brain injured when she was eight months old. Wow. We had done open heart surgery for her because she had been born with some problems in her heart. And we were told that they had to get worse to the point of critical um, need for intervention before we could go get help. Um, surgery wasn't possible in our country, so we actually had to take her to the States for surgery. Mm. The surgery went, went aces. She was in an ICU, in, uh, um, you know, recovering in intensive care. And the doctor said to me, I think it was about, let's say, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the night. They said, she's actually breathing ab above the ventilator. She's taking twice the number of breaths that the ventilator is helping her to take. So we know she's doing well. The earlier we extubate, take the ventilator tube out, the better her chances for recovery. And so we will not wait till morning. We are going to take the tube out tonight. So we agreed. But somehow the doctor pulled the tube that was draining her heart out by mistake. Oh, boy. Um, I, I cannot explain why. It sounds ridiculous. Pulling a tube out of somebody's mouth certainly can't be mistaken with pulling a tube out of somebody's heart. I think maybe he leaned on the tube when he was pulling out the, the, the ventilator. But really, it matters Whatever not. Whatever it was. Yeah. Exactly. Um, anyway, so she immediately bled out and she flatlined. Oh boy. And that was it. Alarms filled the space and that was it. Um, they cracked Emmy's chest open. Her name is Emma. And I saw the, 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 all the alarms went on. They called everybody from all the ICUs and they said, everybody get here. 
this, the, the, the on-call doctor cracked her chest, put his hand on her heart and started the massage. And her heart would not restart. 20 minutes later, the heart still is flatlined. We're still seeing the screen going straight across. And I hold my husband's hand and I say, Sean, I don't know what else to do, so let's pray. Mm-hmm. And my prayer was a different prayer. Usually I pray, you know, dear God, help me to accept what your will is. That was the prayer I said. And I sat there looking at him. And I said, you know, God, I can't pray the same prayer. I know I should, but I can't. Give me back my child. And the heart started again. Wow. Wow. Um, but sometimes we don't know exactly what's going to come back. Cause to us, I was asking him, flip a switch and take us back to how she was. Take us back right. to wellness. Um, what ended up happening is that she came back to us with loss of all of her senses, um, seizures, and she had forgotten how to suck and swallow. And what they told us is that People get brain injured. We found this out two weeks later. People get brain injured after about three minutes without oxygen. And she had been without oxygen for 20. So she had been severely brain injured. And um, their prognosis was that she would be in a vegetative state for life. Wow. So they said, you know, our advice is withdraw food and allow her to go. Because... Mm. She's not going to have any kind of life and neither will you all. Um, And if you decide that you don't want to do that, then our advice is put her in a home and move on. Um, But we didn't decide that because... That wasn't part of your plan. It wasn't part of somebody else's plan. (laughs) Um, I, I think that when you pray and you say, God, bring back my daughter, then do you say, well, this is not in the form I wanted take her back, life is going to be uncomfortable. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't logically think like that. Um, honestly, it was just gut instinct that drove us at that point. And the gut instinct was we have to fight and Emmy is going to be well. You know, yes. um, a doctor told us that was very irresponsible because his statistics told him that it was almost impossible that she could recover. Mm-hmm. But... If a parent gives up hope for their child, then all the child will do is what statistics say. You know, hope dies when your hope for your child dies. That is such a powerful message, Marsha. I think, and as I've been listening, I've identified two really interesting aspects to this story. Part of it was what you introduced with your own self-doubt. And then this powerful experience that you've had with your daughter that has taught you so much that you're sharing with other people now through your book and through your teaching and speaking. As we come back from this break, I would love to dig into that just a little bit more and see what we can learn from that powerful experience of yours. Folks, this is, this is Dr. Marcia Nathai Balkasun at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. 
Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Marsha Nathai Balkasun at Live On Purpose Radio today. Marsha, before we took the break, I was acknowledging that there's some powerful aspects of this story. Your own self-doubt, you know, feeling that you're not enough having to overcome that in order to step up and actually write a book and share your story, which is a powerful story about your experience having a daughter who suffered some brain injury that has left her with some special needs ever since. And I, I can see how these two powerful aspects of your story have come together for you. Uh, this isn't something you would have signed up for. It's not like, oh, yeah, I want to <laughs> do that. Um, this is what, what occurred. This is what your life handed to you. And you had to get out of your own way. I think I know enough about you, Marsha, to know that, that you got out of your way in order to be able to show up for others. Can you... Tell us a little bit about that process and what happened for you. Um, so I sat there as a parent with a brain injured daughter. And I looked at my husband who, who was very, I describe him as broken. He tells me, no, he doesn't see himself as ever having been that way. Hmm. Um, but I think that was Again, there's two versions of the truth, right? How you see what's happening to you and how others see it. Right. Right. At least um, those two. Well, exactly, because they talk about three, right? The, the true truth, your version and other people's version. <laughs> um, but I looked at Sean and I said, you know, Sean is so hurt. Sean is so broken. I can't share my hurt. I can't share my fears with him because I'd be dumping all of my darkness on him. And he's already, he's uh-huh. already bearing so much. So I kept it to myself. Hmm. And I would, for years after Emmy got hurt, I would really struggle to think that there was hope. I would pretend for everybody else's sake, you know, that I was happy. For my son's sake, he was five when Emma was hurt. For Sean's sake, to let him feel that I was okay. But sometimes at two and three in the morning, my prayer would be, you know, dear God, don't wake me up in the morning. I genuinely don't want to wake up. I don't know if I could manage anymore. Oh. And that led me to say, you know, I, I, I searched. I searched for books to help me, mm-hmm. to tell me what to expect, 
to tell me how to cope, to teach me some tips and tools. Couldn't find them. I found scientific books. I found books from professionals, but they were removed. And I needed, yes. I, my heart needed to be held. And so I felt the calling to be, to change that. I wanted to write that book, but I had to get over all of my own issues of I'm not the worthy person to write mm-hmm. that. And that, that came together at the end of last year. So I'm so proud to have written the book. Um, and this is the cover. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm showing you the cover is I did a meditation. And the meditation led me to where I was walking through this garden, holding Emma's hand, and she was walking with me. Mm-hmm. And so this is my visualization of this bright future for me and my child and my family. But it doesn't feature me and M. It features um, just another child and another parent because this is for the reader to say that there is hope for all of us. You wrote um, the book that you needed to have. I did. I truly did. Which I think Um, is just a beautiful thing, Marcia. That's that's perfect. It, it makes sense out of your whole story because it's not just about you. And as you were describing your cover, you know, it's not a picture of you and your daughter. It's a picture of a parent and a child who has special needs and the journey that you get to take together. Yeah. So knowing what you needed in that moment, you've answered the call, really to step up and write the book that you needed to have in that time when you were walking the path and you're still walking it. I know. True. This is a way that you can hold the hand of those others who are walking that same path. Yeah. With the aim of building their, their resilience up and showing them that no matter how dark it is, there's always going to be hope as well. You know, you learned that through your own experience. True. The more that I leaned into that, the brighter our experience became. Wow. At at such a a dark time. I mean, you would think when your child is so severely compromised and maybe even due to medical error. I mean, there are so many different directions your brain could go with that. Many of them not productive at all. Yeah. But you leaned into this possibility for hope. Your your book is called Lighting the Path. That's the title. Lighting the Path, which assumes that the path is kind of dark before you light it up. (laughs) Yeah. And the cool thing is that for us to perceive dark, there must be light. That's true. For us to get shadow. I have a shadow in front of me only when a light shines behind me. Right. So, so I just need to have the mindset. Let me turn around and actually face the light. And that's, that's what the book tries to do, to help people to change the way we perceive our circumstance. The fact is I can't change what happened to him. That's true. I can change how I, my attitude did and my actions did. I can't change the past. I can continue to be scared about the future. But the only thing I have control over is this very second. 
That's all. Right. And that became an empowering thing for me to say, okay, Mash, get out of your own head. I am such a logical thinker. I am an <laughs> over planner. And over planners are type A people who know all the things that could go wrong and who try to control that. <laughs> Let's get out of our own way. Well, that brilliant mind of yours that allowed you to get a PhD in industrial engineering can also get in your way as you might tend to overthink some of the things that really are more matters of the heart. Yes. And there's yeah. a choice here. I, I want to just inquire about this a bit because I see from my perspective, I wasn't in the middle of, of that path with you. Uh, but I've talked to so many people that I'm convinced that there's a choice point and maybe many choice points, but it could go this direction. It could go that direction. And I get to choose which direction this is going. Not that you get to choose what happens to your daughter. That wasn't part of your choice. Right. But there's a clear choice that happens after that. Does that feel true to you? That has been true many, many times, yes. You know, challenges, a lot of people say, Marsha, I have not faced this challenge. This is the biggest challenge. And mm -hmm. so I don't, you know, I don't feel I have the right to compare. Well, the first thing is, why should we compare? You see, as inverted commas, mm -hmm. a smaller challenge to me once upon a time decimated me as much as this big life issue. It's not about comparing right. what I'm facing or what you're facing. I'm not more worthy than you because I'm facing something that you can't imagine, you know? Right. Um, so yes, when a challenge comes up, we have the choice. How am I going to respond to this? And part of this book was dedicated, about one quarter of this book is dedicated to actually delving deep in the negative in the dark. Mm. It wouldn't be an honest book if we didn't, um, we didn't honestly show the dark side. Right. And so I did talk about lots of darkness, isolation, fear, blame, judgment, etc. right? Right. Um, loss, guilt. But after that came, but Emma's smiling, but Emma's coming back to us by moving one millimeter at a time. From not being able to move to the first time she moved her finger one millimeter. That was the biggest miracle I had ever seen. Wow. Right? And somebody outside of our context would say, so what? You know, compared to the developmental stages that I once held so, mm -hmm. so valued, that was nothing. But for me, who had changed all of my mental models and everything I'd measured success by, that was, wow, the day that my daughter raised her hand, I had visions of her walking up on a stage and collecting a diploma. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, why? Because I, it wasn't that I needed her to do that, but it meant to me, the world is her oyster because she has done something miraculous that people said she would never do. Right. You know, um, and so that was the big thing. I just always have to say, 
a year ago, two years ago, Emma was diagnosed with double dislocation of her hips. So on top of brain injury and heart issues, on top of all the other things that have happened along the way, now she has two legs that are not in hip sockets and that because of her heart and brain issues, she can't have surgery to fix because she's too much at risk. And because she's growing, if they do something like a hip replacement, they are going to have to redo hip, hip replacements every year or two. So that's, that's oh. not tenable. It's not possible. Now, my choice is, do I cry forever and worry? Because one day I will not be here. And then will she be safe? And that's genuinely a, a, a big challenge for me, worrying about what happens when we are no longer here. Because my daughter doesn't see, she doesn't speak. And that opens right. the door to a lot of abuse possibilities and so on, right? Sure. So I can, you know, just be a basket case, just have a meltdown and never come out of there. But how does that help Emma or me? Right. Which and is an excellent choice. point. That's the crux that, of the choice. And that choice returns again and again. When, as I said in my book, lightning strikes, this is how I've symbolized these things that happen that you didn't necessarily sign up for. As we conclude our conversation here today, Marsha, I want to turn people back to your book. So it's called Lighting the Path. And this was just released in June of 2021. And it's hot off the presses. In fact, you just got your copy just a day or two ago. Just last um, week, yes. In your own hands. It's called Lighting the Path. Again, the, the author is Marsha Nathai Balkasun. And uh, if you can spell that, go look it up. <laughs> but where's the best <laughs> place for them to find it, Marsha? Is that on Amazon? The best Would place you to find to... me, the book is available on Amazon. Um, and if you search Lighting the Path book, you'll definitely find it. You'll find it. And if you want to find me and lots of stuff about the book, as well as free resources to support you. And those resources will not only be for special needs parents. They really are to support people dealing with overwhelm and help them to move into hope and resilience. Right. Um, so you'll find me at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A-N-B.com. So you don't have to remember the entire hyphenated last name, <laughs> Nathai Balkasun. But you can just remember Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, and then put an N-B.com. And that'll take you right to Marcia's website. Marcia, thank you so much for joining me here at Live On Purpose Radio today. Dr. Paul, it was a pleasure. Thank you. I hope for all of you as listeners, as you have picked up on ideas that might bring more hope into your life, that you will apply the things that you've you've thought or learned or felt impressed with here today and go look up Marsha's book lighting the path it's time for all of us now to go live on purpose mm -hmm.